Great. You're all in very good voice this evening. Sounding excellent. I particularly love the song where we did uh, one song to the tune of another. Uh, it was really good. Uh, was it was a little town of Bethlehem to the tune of something else. But anyway, it worked. We can do that because it's Christmas. Um, again, just want to welcome you. Thank you so much for coming. I want to take uh, a few minutes uh, just to try, try and sum up some of the stuff we've been thinking about, we've been hearing read to us, uh, we've been singing about, just to try and draw our thoughts together um, at this sort of time of Christmas. Um, if, you, if you want to understand Christianity, then it's important that you understand the two basic and central events or moments that happened in the entire Christian narrative. Uh, and one is Christmas, that's why we're here this evening, and the second one is Easter. These two things, the incarnation of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, and arguably everything hangs around these two massive movements in the Christian faith. Uh, everything uh, in the Christian faith is a commentary upon these two things and what flows from them. The one informs the other. You understand Christmas by looking at Easter. You understand Easter by looking back to Christmas. It's uh, the same vice versa. So at Christmas time, we are celebrating the fact, as Christians would have it, that God became one of us. He became a human being. And uh, no matter if you're a person of faith or, or uh, from a no faith background or for a different faith background, it is an undeniable fact that Jesus Christ altered human history forever. And if you understand, if we understand more about Jesus, and that's, this is my hope for this evening, if we understand him more, it, he will alter your life forever as well. Uh, he will alter your history, the trajectory of your life if you understand Jesus as we see him at Christmas and Easter. So we're going to take a few moments to think about that um, by using one of the readings that we heard this evening, uh, Micah chapter 5, that Catherine read out for us. Micah chapter 5 is, is an old prophecy from the Hebrew scriptures written many centuries before, given many centuries before Jesus. Um, and the reason why I picked it this evening is because it just helps us to join these two moments together, Christmas and Easter. And we see them come together in Micah chapter 5. So at Christmas time, what I'm going to say is this, at Christmas time we see, number one, greatness coming from insignificance. Number two, we see at Christmas strength that comes from weakness. Number three, at Christmas time we see peace coming from our enemies. So first of all, greatness at Christmas time comes from insignificance. Let me read to you uh, the first verse again of that reading that Catherine gave us. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come for me, one who is to be the ruler over Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. At Christmas, we see greatness coming from insignificance. Bethlehem, you see, was always a small, insignificant little place. It was totally obscure. No one had ever heard of it. No one would ever heard of it. have heard of it if it wasn't for the fact that there was a very famous son of Bethlehem, King David, great King David, came from Bethlehem many centuries before this prophecy, many centuries before Jesus. He was a small town boy who'd done good. And yet as he came and went and his fame rose and then fell again, the little town of Bethlehem continued on, just rolled on as a little tiny small town. That's why in fact it says Bethlehem Ephrathah. Just to let you know, it's this little tiny place you've never heard of. The giver of this vision had to include some more information geographically to, to link you in. It's kind of like saying uh, you're, from, you're from Newcastle 
And, and then you have to qualify that by saying, what Newcastle are you from? Is it Newcastle in the northeast of England, the big city? Or is it Newcastle County Down, uh, South Down, sort of medium-sized town? Uh, at work the other day, I met somebody who was from Newcastle in County Dublin. I don't know if anyone's ever been there. It's tiny, apparently. It's a tiny little village. And so that's why uh, Bethlehem Aphrathah is mentioned like this. It's so small, no one has ever really heard of it. It's a city, or sorry, it's a, a little town. It had no prowess, it had no strength, it had no military might. Basically, it was a very disappointing and unproductive place to be coming from. But, as we've seen at Christmas, greatness comes from insignificance. From you, uh, says this vision, uh, you are too little, too insignificant, but yet from you shall come from me one who is going to be this great ruler of Israel, that is the people of God. This mighty leader is going to come out of this little tiny insignificant town. And we see that at Christmas, don't we? We've been singing about that already. Jesus, born in Bethlehem in this little tiny, obscure, insignificant place, as the prophecy says. Born to an unmarried teenage mom. He was born homeless. He was put in the feeding trough that they would have used to feed the animals because there was nowhere to put him. And as we read on in the New Testament, his parents were so poor that they were only able to scrape a few pennies together to provide the minimum sacrifice that every family had to give in the temple in Jerusalem when a new baby came along. They could only afford a couple of little turtle doves. They were poor. Insignificance. Tiny, obscure beginnings. And yet, as we've thought a few moments ago, through his teaching and through his actions, Jesus Christ changed the course of human history forever. The story about Jesus reached the far parts of the Roman Empire within 30 years of his ministry. His disciples laid down their lives to spread the word of the coming Messiah. That prophecy from Micah said that he will be, this is the Messiah, will be great to the ends of the earth. And he came from Bethlehem of all places. We see at Christmas greatness coming from insignificance. But secondly, at Christmas, and in this text, we see strength coming from weakness. The next verse in that prophecy goes from what, where, 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 where this leader will come from to what he will do. And it says in verse 4, this great leader of God from this tiny, obscure little place no one's ever heard of shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of God, in the majesty of his name. It says that this great leader will lead God's people. That's what being a shepherd means to the Hebrew reader. Not only a ruler in name, but a ruler in power, of strength and majesty. Jesus at Christmas, as we know, was born as an infant in every way that we are. He was a tiny, dependent infant, depending on his parents to provide everything. He couldn't do anything for himself at that stage in his life. And yet he was hunted out by Herod, as we heard from one of the readings. He fled uh, with his family, fled to Egypt. He became a refugee. Jesus was subject to the powers and forces politically that played upon his life. And yet again, as we track his story in history and as we follow him forward in the, the Gospels in the New Testament, we see that this was no ordinary man as he grew and developed he was endowed with great power from God. He, he pre performed amazing miracles, healings, brought someone from dead, death to life. He had words of great authority that attracted crowds wherever he went. 
And his influence is felt across the globe to this very day. The fact that we're gathered here this evening is because strength comes from weakness at Christmas. Even today, people keep confessing his majesty and his strength. They keep experiencing his power. They keep giving themselves to his leadership, even though we are 2,000 years away down the line from the facts. Greatness comes from insignificance. Strength comes from weakness. Thirdly, I want to show you that peace comes from our enemies. That last passage in the prophecy that we're going to look at this evening said, this great leader, this great one from this obscure little place, rising to fame, it says, he shall be their peace. They shall dwell secure. Kind of like a shepherd. Is that shepherd idea again? The shepherd looks after the sheep. We know that. The shepherd brings the sheep to graze in peace. The shepherd shows the sheep how to find life. The good shepherd gives his life, if necessary, to defend the sheep. He puts their welfare above his. The good shepherd has on his mind and on his heart the welfare of his sheep at all times. In the context of this original prophecy from Micah chapter 5, the nation of Assyria, this great nation of Assyria, was pushing down on the tiny people of Judah, where Bethlehem was located. The entire people of Judah were feeling the enemy bearing down. They were vulnerable to attack. They were literally having the life squashed out of them. And yet in this prophecy, God would send a shepherd who would step in and defend his sheep, giving his life if necessary so that they may have life themselves. So at Christmas, strength comes from weakness, greatness comes from insignificance, and peace comes from the enemy. Remember what I said at the start, these two great moments, Christmas and Easter, are linked together in this passage. If we need to understand Christmas, we have to look at Easter. We have to see this all through the cross and the resurrection in order to understand what Christmas is really all about. See, the gospel of Christmas is not that God came down to earth. In fact, that alone could be bad news. It is bad news for all of us. Time and again in the, in the Hebrew scriptures, the, the, this idea, this, this, this metaphor of God coming down to earth it, uh, paints this picture of, of judgment God coming down to earth as a warrior with a sword in his hand against the forces of evil and darkness, even that which is among his people, no one is spared when God comes to earth in judgment. Everything will be judged, everything will be rubbed out and started again, including us. The gospel of Christmas is not the God came down to earth. The gospel of Christmas is... God came down to earth to give himself up for us. He came to do what we could not do for ourselves. That's the good news of the Christmas message, everybody. In Jesus, God came down and took on our weakness so that we might find strength. At Christmas, God came down and took upon himself insignificance and obscurity so that we could know greatness. At Christmas, God came down and took on our enemies so that we could have peace. 
And how does he achieve this? How did, how did God's ruler, Jesus, this man of strength and greatness, how did he achieve this? Well, the clue is in Micah chapter 5. We see it all through the Gospels in the New Testament. The good shepherd, this leader, laid his life down for the sheep so that they might have life. As this mighty leader, this man of strength, Jesus paid the ultimate price. He became weak. He became insignificant. He became defeated. But yet he was resurrected in strength. He climbed out of the, the grave in greatness. He crushed the enemies and is victorious. Why did he do this? If Jesus was the Son of God and he possessed such greatness and strength and significance, why did he become weak and insignificant and vulnerable? Well, this really gets to the heart of why we gather this evening. He did that for you. He stepped in to your weakness and your obscurity. He took on your enemies, sin, death, and the devil, because you couldn't do it for yourself, and me too. The odds would be stacked against us. We would never achieve what we set out to. That's why we need Easter, folks, to understand Christmas. At Christmas, strength, greatness, and peace was made possible. At Easter, strength, greatness, and peace was made definite. Karl Marx famously wrote that religion is the opium of the people. What he meant was religion is for the weak, the weak-minded people. It's just something to take off them, their minds off of the grim reality of, of life. It's a, a temporary escape mechanism to keep their minds blinded, to keep them naive and happy. It's the religion, it's the opium of the people. But Christians say, no, no, no. Christianity is the smelling salts of the people. It wakes us up out of our stupor and our blindness. It opens us to the reality, to our need. It opens us up to the truth that life that we are looking for is only available from God. Because of Jesus, come at Christmas time, it is okay for us to admit our weaknesses because in Jesus we find strength. Maybe this is you this evening. Maybe you come with this sense of weakness, this nagging sense that doesn't matter how hard you try, you can never be where you want to be. You can never pull yourself up. You have failed to overcome some issue or trial in your life. You are weak because you feel some kind of oppression. Something is pushing down on you. It could be circumstances around you, whatever they may be. It could be battles within you, in your mind, in your soul. But when you see what Jesus did, how he went from, from weakness to strength through Christmas and then Easter, you can share in his resurrection life. You can receive strength in place of your weakness, you can receive power from God, resilience in the storms, and a poise in times of trouble. 
Because at Christmas, we see strength coming from weakness. Because of Jesus, you can go from insignificance to greatness. Because he did. When you come to Jesus, there, there is no such thing as an insignificant life. Our society, we keep reading about it in blog posts and news articles. It is lonelier and more isolated and fractured than ever. Despite amazing advances in social media and connectivity, we are one lonely bunch of people. But according to the good news of Christmas, we no longer need to think that no one cares, that no one notices, that we just fade into the background. Because at Christmas we see that Jesus became insignificant so you can have greatness. You can be significant in God's eyes. You can have significance in the opinion of the one who only really matters, and that is God. He will delight in you. He will adopt you as his son or daughter. And he will give you the privileges and authority that comes from being a child of God. And because of Jesus at Christmas, our enemies are destroyed. Peace comes. That prophecy finishes. And he shall be their peace. The Bible teaches that essentially we are all at war. We're at war with God. We're at war with one another. We're at war within ourselves. And we're at war with the rest of creation. It's kind of like that irritating Christmas song, isn't it, you hear on the radio. War is over. But that's why Jesus came. He came to declare the truth of that song you hear on the radio. War is over. That's why Jesus came to take on your enemies, to put your relationships right, starting with the relationship that is most important between you and God. He came to turn you into en from enemies into friends. War is over. Now there is only peace because of the gospel of Christmas. That's why Jesus came at Christmas. And that's why Christmas needs Easter to complete it. As I close out just now, let's just think about how we can, how we can respond to this message of, of Christmas as we see in Micah and as we've been thinking and singing about this evening. What can we do? What can we do if we identify with this, like the people of Judah, with this weakness, this, this sense of insignificance, if we are tired of being at war, whether it's with God or one another or even within ourselves? Here are three things that you might want to think about doing tonight. Three simple steps. First step. We need to realize our need for Jesus as we see him at Christmas and Easter. Even if you have it all in terms of outward success and prosperity, we need to realize that we need Jesus. That's the first step to receiving the Christmas message. The second thing, once you've done that, number two, is to take the gift that he offers you by trusting in Jesus, the one who came at Christmas, the one who died and rose again at Easter, trusting that he has done all that is needed, more than you could ever do, to bring you to that place of strength and greatness and peace. Realize your need, 
Take the gift. Thirdly and finally, get to know him better. You can do that in any number of ways. We would love for you, if you want to get to know Jesus better, to join us at Foundation Church, because that's what we do every Sunday. We want to get to know Jesus better. We want to enjoy him more. We want to learn more about him. We want to experience his, his power at work through regular people, just like us. So we would love to invite you to come and join us if you don't have a place you call home, a church you call home. We gather here every Sunday, by the way, and throughout the week across the city in our foundation communities. Come and get to know Jesus better. We're going to take a few moments now, folks, to reflect on the Christmas message. And um, Noah is going to come and um, lead us in a song, uh, another reflection on the Christmas message called Noel. Let's just take this time, this opportunity to still ourselves. If you want to listen to the words from the song, you can do that. Just enjoy that. Um, If you want to reflect on some of these things, those three steps we've talked about, this is your opportunity to have some time uh, for a few minutes, and then we're going to close out our service.